Eliminate the word should. Never say that word again. If you're saying I should do this, you don't want to do it, so don't do it. So that's the first thing. Aloha, my beautiful friends. My name is Krista Ralaksmitetten, coming to you from beautiful San Diego, California. And here in Abundance in Action podcast, we believe that each one of us, we have a treasure box inside. And once we open it, we can start to live our life as our dreams on our terms. And welcome to this beautiful new episode where we have a very special guest who is right now also located in San Diego. Jessica Sorensen, welcome. Hi, my name is Jessica, and I did live in San Diego for a couple of years, but right now I live in Northern California, uh, one hour north of San Francisco. Okay, so that's a new information for me too. So, very cool. It just feels like you are, um, as we meet each other and um, met each other in the Soulful Speakers Club, it so often feels like Everyone there is from San Diego, but um, yeah, we we are scattered, so even better. So (laughs) really cool. So yeah, uh, Jessica just joined the Soulful Speaker with um, my uh, coach, Rebecca Masood, and it's been really amazing. Like you have been so open and you just jumped into challenges and everything. And I love your spirit. You have such like soft way of you know, talking and inviting way of inviting people into your life and into your realm. And today I'm so excited to go deeper and see uh, who we are dealing with. Yay. And Rebecca is also my coach. Oh, very cool. I love Rebecca. Yeah, she's really cool. So let's see, Um, you have this beautiful bio. So I I would like to share all of those uh, beautiful treasures you have put together here. So Jessica Sorensen was always energy sensitive, but did not recognize it and uh, own it until about 10 years ago. She is well-traveled and speaks three languages. She is half Brazilian and half American, though you would never guess. Jessica loves children, creating and teaching others how to contain, direct and master their energy. She graduated with a degree in interior design, and after living in Spain and Australia, her intentional journey of the energy world began. She went to meditation school at Psychic Horizons in San Francisco, and later got a coaching certificate in money coaching, and then a second coaching certificate in the art of feminine presence. Now, Jessica is combining all of her talents and innate abilities to help others live the life they want. Jessica is a natural empath and understands how to direct you to change your energy pattern. Jessica offers many packages, but is most passionate about doing long-term commitment deep work. Doing a full-year program, she combines her interior design skills to change your home, to support your manifesting desires, and raise you up on the day-to-day unconscious level, doing the deep inner work. She catches the minute in language and energy behind any phrase. This gets you transformative results, works with you to upgrade your habits, both language and habits are expression, expressions of your unconscious. 
that are the foundation for your life. She's also an intuitive and can channel for you and eventually teach you how to receive your own answers after a few sessions. Jessica is magic with children and ultimately wants to read children how to teach children how to harness their energetic talents. So, wow, uh, what a woman. <laughs> Yay. Thank you. Yeah. So one uh, thing which just stood up right away for me, uh, half Brazilian, tell us more. How did that happen? Uh, how much time did you spend there? How does that like express in your life, in your daily life? Um, do you speak the language still? Um, what What's that about? Because that's quite like um, quite a mix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, well, my mom is from Brazil. She moved to the U.S. in her early 20s, um, just like on a travel adventure. And surprise, <laughs> I was a detour. Um, and I'm grateful that, you know, it worked out the way that it did and that I grew up in the U.S. I think I would have been a completely different person if I grew up in Brazil, even though there have been many times that I wished I was like that. I grew up in Brazil. And um, so she's from Rio de Janeiro. And when I was 15, I went, well, I went many times as a child and um, it's now I consider myself much more American than Brazilian when I was younger I considered myself more Brazilian. <laughs> so when I was 15, that was the big highlight. I went there and I was guy crazy. All of the guys were the hottest I'd ever seen. And that told me that's, you know, that's all a 15 year old version of myself needed. <laughs> so I learned Portuguese. I, well, I begged my mom. I did not, I was, I had depression at 14. So like freshman year. And then that summer I was 15 at the end of freshman year, I went to Brazil and I was having the time of my life. And so just having finished a year in high school that I hated, I begged her to let me live in Brazil. And she's like, no, the compromise was that she let me go back the next year. And so I lived with my aunt who I love my aunt, both of my aunts. I love them. They're my second moms. Mm -hmm. um, and so I went back to Brazil the next year. I was 16 and I had a tutor who I absolutely love her too. <laughs> and I learned Portuguese twice a week with my tutor. And I, so I learned Portuguese in two months, but I had it in the background my whole life. So it was, it was easy to learn. And, um, I don't know. I, it was, this is just like an innate part of me or a habit that whenever I would hear all my mom and her friends speaking Portuguese, I would pay attention as if I'm going to understand it the next second. And to this day, I still do this with all languages. So I do learn languages very fast. And, um, and then, so I learned Portuguese over the summer and I came home and I spoke Portuguese. And then from that day on, I refused to speak English to my mom, <laughs> which sometimes is annoying to her. <laughs> and um, 
I was very fortunate that I had another friend that spoke Portuguese. And so I only spoke Portuguese with them as well. And then I just listened to music. I would um, just do laps in my neighborhood on my rollerblades, listening to music. And it was my favorite song. So um, the album was uh, Skank. And the song was Garota Internacional. I can send you the link so that you can have it on there if you if the viewers want to listen. Yeah, we can put it in the notes. Yeah. And so that was my favorite song. I listened to it every day. And um, another piece of that was that I, <laughs> this is so sad. And, and this is part of the reason why I'm passionate to work with younger kids and teenagers. I cried every day. Um, I thought I was hideous. <laughs> I thought I was so ugly. It like, it still makes me sad to remember that. And going to Brazil, I was like the hottest thing any guy had ever seen. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. <laughs> and so, um, then I learned like, okay, I'm very attractive, um, in another country. <laughs> But so the Brazilian music and the Portuguese, it, it, it was a constant trigger of hope of the way that I perceive the U.S., which was only Marin County, California, which now I love it here. Um, but as a child in high school, I hated it. So um, clinging to the Portuguese helped me to escape from this label that I was experiencing and had created. And it helped me to have confidence. And then, so because I learned Portuguese so quickly and I, I learned how I learned, I learned Spanish very quickly as well. And they're so similar. Yeah. Very cool. So could you tell with, maybe some like shorter stories, like when you went back there as a 15 year old, a little more like, you know, what was real during that time? Like for so many of us, it's it's very exotic. So something very different. Um, what was it which was really like enticing and like exciting for you other than the boys, of course. So <laughs> what else was really different and what did you really enjoy? I, I loved the food, um, to this day that that's how I cook. I cook very Brazilian. I actually don't know how to cook American food, like stereotype. I, I don't know how to cook Thanksgiving dinner or a casserole or I, I don't even know what American food is. <laughs> um, so my aunt, Chiachina, well, both of my aunts, everybody in my family cooks great. So, but Aunt Chiachina was the person who cooked in the household, and that's who I was living with at the time. So at lunchtime, I would cook together with her and we would do a celebration of Friday, and we would have bake a cake on Friday. And um, both of us noticed we were gaining weight. So she's like, oh, we have to cut back. <laughs> But it was so, the tradition was so fun and yeah, the food is amazing. I love, love the food. And then um, shopping was awesome at that time. 
everything was half to one third of the price compared to the, well, not electronics, but clothes. So I came home with almost 100% brand new wardrobe, all Brazilian clothes. And, <laughs> and I would wear that to school and all, and the bikinis, obviously they're Brazilian. <laughs> so um, in my mind, Brazilian bikinis are better than American bikinis. And Hawaii actually sells a lot of Brazilian bikinis. They, so it's, it's, you'll be able to find that a lot there. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's very amazing to hear your story and like, you know, what, what really stood out for you and, and so on. I remember one of my first trips to Mexico, I, I was in a bus. One of my friends was inviting me to visit her and um, I came from the airport and I was in the bus and we were driving through like different parts of town. And for me, it looked really like some township in South Africa. And I was like, oh, my God, where did I end up now? <laughs> so it looked like so dirty and so like, you know, robust and like electricity lines were like kind of like a mess in the air. And and once I arrived she actually had bought her own boat um, in Mexico and she's actually from Estonia but she lives in New York and then she bought the boat in Mexico which is also quite a journey <laughs> so um, she was kind enough so I uh, was her uh, guest for several weeks and of course I got to know lots of the locals and and started to see and experience Mexico um, also very like very very different from my culture so it was the same thing, like food and people and and step by step, I started to really, you know, like it and love it. And just that carefree, southern way of living, you know, doesn't matter what day of the, the week it is or what season it is, you know, there's always something positive to focus on. And and, you know, when you have uh, lovely people, you can always have a reason to get together and celebrate. So whether it's a Friday cake or whatever, you know, so. Yeah. Thank, yeah. Thank and you. because thank I was you. because I was there, um, there was celebration all the time. And then I, I kind of had built in friends because all of my mom's friends had kids. So then I had like I just walked into a new group of friends and and then they all had friends so I was going out almost every single night and I I mean San Diego has this too the beach culture I love like PB or Imperial Beach or Ocean Beach well Ocean Beach is um I think more similar to Brazil out of those three and um it, so I love the beach culture of just wearing a dress and flip-flops and whatever, you're good. You know, you don't have to dress up really. Nobody cares. Everybody. And then everybody's at the beach already. I just, I loved it. But I guess I didn't have such a big shock value like you did because I was already used to it. Like I had already mm -hmm. seen the shanty towns and driven through um, the poor areas. And I like, I grew up going to Brazil often up before 15, I had already been 10 times. So I was very used to it. So that part of it wasn't, wasn't so shocking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For me, uh, prior Mexico, I'd been to 
many other places also like Costa Rica and and also um, there were yeah South Africa was was a shock in so many ways so uh, South, South Africans like townships that's like you know that's like really real experience itself you know so as an Estonian or at the time I was studying in Norway going there it was just out of this world like and as an anthropology student that was so exciting for me I actually felt much more excited and alive in that township than in those like you know fancy villas where people lived you know so it's kind of weird uh, that way but um, you mentioned now that uh, you had depression and I know that right now uh, when we are recording it like many people still are struggling with it even more because we still are kind of in the middle of the pandemic. By the time this episode will come out, it's probably a different story. But I think in general in life, people are always going to struggle with depression. So um, can you tell us the story, how you figured out that you have depression and what were those steps to get out of it? Because I think so many times when people have depression, they don't even know that they have depression. And also when you are in it you don't know what's going on then you're probably also not very eager to look for help because you don't even know that something is wrong so what would you suggest you know uh, what they could do and also first like share your story how you figured out you had that um well I was crying almost every day for like three hours sorry emotions coming up um so I wasn't happy with my friends. I, I did end up making new friends, but I was in a very awkward transition um, from one very close friendship that wasn't at my school. And we had grown apart for several other reasons as well. And so I, I did end up finding a new group of friends and that really helped, but I was in the beginning of that new friendship. And so, um, I was, I was crying every day. So it was very obvious to me. Um, and that I just, I knew it wasn't okay. And I think that's the biggest block for anybody to be able to move on is that feeling it's not okay. Whatever your emotion is, I think it's the same for anxiety. Um, like the way you feel is not okay. Other people cannot see. And it sucks because that's a giant block to getting better. So for those people that have any kind of debilitating emotions, think of somebody that does feel safe. Like maybe it's not okay to tell your family or, you know, a lot of people are very uncomfortable with extreme emotions like rage, depression, um, like really serious anxiety. A, a lot of people are uncomfortable with it. And so if you have one of those things, think of somebody that is safe and like send me an email <laughs> or reach out to a coach. Yeah. Uh, so, so often I know that yeah, we as coaches, we say like, yeah, reach out to a coach. But 
if you are in such a deep like place and deep dark place, it's very hard to take contact with someone you don't know. So I think I want to stress the fact what you said here, you know, find someone you feel safe with. It, it doesn't even need to be a coach, but, you know, someone who feels like, you know, you feel comfortable and you, you feel that you can trust and, and then maybe they can suggest someone they know who could help you. And then, then you would actually take it more seriously because you trust them. And mm -hmm. that in my life, I've had several other issues where I kind of completely like run myself into the corner and just like, you know, going in roundabout there. And when then someone I, I felt really good at, then that was the breaking point. And then I started to move out of it too. So that's good. a really good point. Yeah. And then, um, so, so yeah, find someone you can feel safe with. If you're under 18, seek somebody that's older than you, that maybe, you know, has suffered through the same things you've gone through. Um, maybe a teacher or an aunt or uncle or a neighbor so there's, there's that. And then, so what worked for me was I needed rules, absolute rules that I was not allowed to break. So I made sure to exercise every single day outside. That was critical. I noticed my mood, um, was very affected by whether or not I went outside and being fully hydrated I started to drink a lot of water and I noticed that that related to my mood and then, um, exploring or doing something different. It is not so I have seen this with other people, but I learned it through myself first. So it's not possible to feel curiosity and depression at the same time. If you are truly curious and intrigued, you'll get sucked into that. And for that moment, you'll be pulled out of the depression or, you know, whatever intense mood. And so I think having moments of forgetting about the sadness is a really good thing. So those things worked for me. And then I did a ton of other things. I repeated affirmations obsessively, <laughs> like Literally any moment I was not talking to somebody, I was saying, I am pretty, I am pretty, I am pretty, I am pretty, like all day long. <laughs> and then um, I, I have a little book. It's like three inches and it's, I call it my book of good things. And so I write down all the good things that happen throughout the day, whether it's a compliment or I found a penny on the ground, or I really liked my red shirt today, <laughs> or my hair looked good, what, like anything, like, you know, somebody smiled at me. I saw somebody give somebody anything that is good. I write that down. And I noticed that really picks me up as well. So those are things that I think are good techniques that anybody can use to pick them up. But if you have something serious, you really need support. I uh, want to just specify here, um, just from my own experience, when I hear a word rules, it just blocks me. I personally use the word like agreements with myself. Uh, would that be something you would suggest to you? Like maybe... Like, okay, now I'm going to do agreements with myself. What is it I do? It feels much lighter. I don't know if you agree, but. 
if that works for you, good. I needed those hard and fast, rigid, absolute, not allowed to break rules. I needed that. So, so that was basically like non-negotiable for you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, and and yeah, then everyone it, can just like sense what works for them. Like yeah. it, it, we are different. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. not more than three. And it cannot take longer than two hours of your day. Yeah, these are good points because many times we may think like, wow, now I have to do like this 10 things and then you fail because it's too much. You can't like handle it. And then you don't have any progression, you know, reward feeling happening. And then you feel like a failure for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, rewards. That's one of my favorites. And that's part of coaching as well is, um, so you, you have a goal or uh, a stretch and then you have rewards for that. And I like to do a reward for doing what I said I would. And then a reward for when I achieve this like really outrageous goal and a much smaller reward for effort. So if I touched on something today, I'll get a reward like, like a coffee or, you know, I'll enjoy coffee in the sun or, you know, so the rewards have to match whatever the goal or the uh, achievement is, but rewards, yeah, are a very good thing. Yeah. It's very nourishing, very important. Like, um, Many times I notice myself, you know, that I have accomplished something huge and then I don't really give any rewards or like even don't like, you're like, good job, Crystal, you did it good, you know, and it doesn't need to be anything complicated, but, you know, it can be just something very little that you also, you know, um, accept and reward with just a little kind word to yourself. Yeah, it's important. Yeah. So now another topic, um, you and I are also very deeply connected and dove into with the personal journey as well with our clients is that you are a very strong empath and you know in and outs about that. And I know also that when people are starting to um, wake up to that sensitivity and understand maybe they have been sensitive like that the whole life but when they start to open up they also can be very lost so could you first define what is empath for you how you understand who that is and then what would be maybe the first steps once you figure out like wow I think I'm that so what could people do to support that because you can also get very lost in that if you don't have support and uh, don't know what you're doing the way that I define empath is I feel what other people are feeling as if it's my own emotions. And that was very confusing for me for a long time. It took me a long time to understand that sometimes the emotions I'm feeling are not mine. (laughs) And so when somebody does start to wake up, there is that possibility and it could go as far as it might be the depression that you are experiencing is not yours. That is possible. Um, So it's very tangled. So if you believe you are an empath, 
you have to find something that nourishes you on the inside. Um, meditation, journaling, peaceful walks in nature on the beach or time with animals um, or creativity, like art is great as well. So finding something that nourishes you is essential if you're an empath. And what that does is it replenishes you, but it also discharges whatever you have that's sticking to you. Um, so that's important. That continual release or dump of energy is very good. And then one of my favorite tools that I learned from a YouTube video, uh, I have never met him in person, but I would love to is Dane here. Um, I don't remember what they do right now, but the question is, Whose is this? So if you're feeling some kind of emotion, just ask yourself, whose is this? And um, if it's yours, it'll kind of stick. And if it's not, a name will pop up or a memory will pop up of that person. And usually for me, when you ask, whose is this? It, like the, the stickiness of the emotion kind of goes away right away it just breaks up a little bit. So that's a tool that people can use if they're new to being an empath. Yeah, so true. I even sometimes take it a step further. I ask, who is this and who sent you? And, <laughs> and sometimes, you know, weird stuff pops up. And then sometimes also um, I listen even more and then I ask like, okay, what's your message? Because sometimes also this information or energy has something they wanted to deliver or there is some knowingness I have to get or receive. And when I do it like this is whatever the emotion it is or whatever is coming up, I actually can process it like very, very quickly. So I don't carry it with me. And um it's such a second nature for me that I don't even think that I'm doing that. But when I am together with others who are stuck, then of course I see that, wow, they're like completely stuck there. It's like a no brainer, but um, I have to remind myself that, you know, everyone doesn't have that experience. So that's also maybe my possibility to introduce them to approach that differently, like, like you were doing here. So thank mm -hmm. you for, for a really cool tip. For myself, yeah. I, I journal a lot, so I get a lot more answers than that. But if somebody's new to just um, like, what's an empath? What What is that? Then whose is this is a good starting point. Yeah, absolutely. So now I would like to dive a little deeper into your interior design experience and how you have actually adjusted it into your coaching uh, work and I think uh, so many people, they just kind of get stuck with something they studied in just a way or form or format uh, it was given to them. And they could just do amazing stuff if they would be like more flexible or adjusting it into a different form. And you have basically really done this here. As uh, we were saying in the bio here, you know, you are telling that, you know, if you start to change your 
environment, it will also influence as well support everything what's going on in your life. Can you tell a little more about that? How you how you do that? How is an interior design element uh, helping your coaching and, and your people um, in so many ways? Yeah, um, so I don't, well, because I know like the uh, career definition, I don't do real interior design. Like I'm not a licensed interior designer, but um, I, so now I do organizing and decorating. And so like um, using the home, is my favorite manifesting tool, absolute favorite. And so when we work together, I'll have you, I'll guide you through meditation and have you become crystal clear (laughs) on, (laughs) on um, your vision on what you're truly wanting. And then we'll work with the space or the home and Um, kind of personify it because the home itself with or without you has its own energy as well. I, you were talking while you um, talk about like the relationship with things so much, like having relationship with um, aloe vera. I loved that podcast or relationship (laughs) with money. And so I kind of do the same thing. You have a relationship with your house and your house wants to support you. And so it's getting to know it and harnessing it. And then also taking the core of who you are and personifying it onto the walls. Like your personality has a color and it has a texture and it has a style. And there are certain images that match the core of who you are perfectly. And so because I'm an empath, I'm able to see like, "Mm, no, that's not really matching who you are. And oh my God, that's 100. Like if you were a piece of art, that would be it. (laughs) So doing that is extremely healing. It is, and it's so powerful and walking into a space that is 100% matching the core of who you are just instantly feels like love. And so there's a lot of transformation that happens right away because of it. And because of the physical experience of being in an area or a space that you love because it's who you are, you inherently increase your ability of how much good you're able to receive and experience. I so agree. I I feel what you're saying is like, you know, home is extension of who you are. And so many times we are not conscious enough about it. And then we are actually living in an environment which is in conflict with who we are. If we are not like consciously, you know, using the pictures or the way things are and so on. I just recently did like a complete makeover of my uh, office and I just changed a couple of things like where some of the shelves were and where my table was. And it was a huge shift. And also, according to Feng Shui is better now because I'm sitting not with my back towards the door, but not even that is so important than just like how I feel now here. I feel much more in charge. 
I see the window, I see the door, and everything what's here is because I have chosen all of these things and little things to support me and my mission. So it's so crucial and so important. So um, that's that's a really cool way how you have adjusted and formatted it into a completely new package. Yeah, and and like you just said right now, like you just feel better. So like we'll change um, a shelf, like you just said, or a table. And then I will notice your energy increase or decrease right away. And so that'll be like, mm, no, that's not, let's try something else. Or, oh, wow, that really lifted you up. And it's very cool. <laughs> yeah. And then just because I have like the, I, I love the spatial organization. And so because I can see the entire picture all at once, it's easy for me to hold the vision and get things into place. Whereas not everybody can see the full product. So then sometimes people don't like the process and that causes stress. And so working together is like, no, it's, it's okay. It's going to be gorgeous. So now let's go inside the house. So I would say uh, the way you're talking, one of your favorite topics is also, you know, habits and language. And for me, it seems like habits and language is inside of us or inside of our home. It's almost like furniture. So uh, what would you say? Why are habits and language so important in our lives? And how can we, what would be maybe those two or three first things, what we could do to support um, the enhancement of those things? Eliminate the word should. Never say that word again. If you're saying I should do this, you don't want to do it. So don't do it. So that's the first thing. Habits. Habits are so like the way that you go through your day is all habits. How well you eat, the food you crave, <laughs> um, what time you go work out. It's all habits. And and I've noticed that it's the easiest to modify or keep control of your habits in the morning. So when I do work with people, I like to focus on changing the morning habits first and then um, grouping habits together. So every time I go into the kitchen or the bathroom, I take a drink of water. So, so like pairing something together with another thing. And then you want to set that up. So, okay, if I'm going to drink water every time I go to the bathroom or into the kitchen, then I should have either a water bottle or a full glass of water in both of those rooms at all times. All right. That's, that's a new habit. Um, there's, there's so many different things. And uh, I love picking apart money habits. That's very fun for me. So uh, say every time you buy a coffee, you, you know, you put a tip in the tip jar. Okay, well, put a tip in your personal tip jar as well. And that can be your bank, ac bank account and you can transfer $1, you know. But so it's about linking the habits together or like, what do you, the first thing you do every time you get into the car or... There's so many, this habits alone could be endless. 
Yeah. Can you uh, tell a little more, like uh, elaborate on that, uh, linking the habits together? Why do you think it's so important and how can that support people? Because it becomes more natural. Um, the water one is one of my favorites because drinking enough water is very hard for most people. Almost everybody's dehydrated. I really love your, I want to try that, the salt and the baking soda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love putting things in my water. So I put ginger in my water, mint in my water, lemon. I, I do all kinds of different things. I have affirmations on my water bottles. <laughs> um, drinking water is very hard for a lot of people. So, okay, it's drinking water. Enough water was hard for me too. And I wanted to increase the amount of water that I drank. So, okay, what are some mindless ways that I can increase water throughout the day. Okay. Every time I walk into these two rooms, it's a rule, sorry, (laughs) or an agreement to take a sip of water that increases my hydration. Whereas before, sometimes I notice like, oh my God, I haven't drank water for four hours or, oh my God, it's already noon and I haven't taken a sip of water. (laughs) And so once I changed that the problem got much better. Yeah, I so agree. I started to do a new habit myself um, as now all my mornings are full of like meetings or podcast recordings or other like coaching sessions and so on. I usually put them in such a way that I have little breaks in between. So after each session, I go out to the patio and I do my bostrica breathing and I do a little stretch and then I also see if I need a little healthy snack or drinking or whatever. And actually productivity wise, they have said that if you do a break like this, like every 50 minutes, your productivity goes up because you just, your brain needs little breaks and that you also, your eyes are looking into something else than just a screen or whatever you're doing. So And that has really worked. It's just so like natural now. So I just get up and I do my breathing and it's like, I don't even think like, it's like no second thoughts. It's just like autopilot. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. That's great. And so it's just, it's little things like that. It can, it, it is little, but it actually really matters. And then sunlight is also crazy important for us. So now you have it built into your day that you're getting sunlight exposure multiple times throughout the day, which is fantastic. Your happiness and your serotonin. and <laughs> Yeah, everything goes up. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, so now one of your favorite topics is also children. And you say magic, you, you bring like, or you are magic to children. Like, what is it you mean by that? And other than what you already mentioned in the beginning, um, I understand one of the motivators has probably been that, you know, self-image, which children really struggle with. And depending on where they are, what culture they are in, what their family is like. And we have, we, we are basically bombarded by everyone's projections and expectations as a kid, like how you should be, how you should look like and so on. And then um, we can really get lost. So it's it's definitely we need guidance in that process. Um, my experience with kids started when I was 12 years old. <laughs> I have worked with kids ever since, um, consistently since I was 12, either part-time or full-time until COVID 
having more than 20 years experience with kids really exposed me to a ton of stuff. Of course, in the beginning, I, I was just somebody that loved kids, but having been exposed to so many different children, so many different environments, I did babysitting, uh, preschool, au pair, like nanny, you know, being full-time with a couple kids. And then I was also an on-call nanny. So I thought it was fun, but in a way I can see how that was probably very challenging of like, okay, you're a random person going to somebody's house and these kids have to like you within 10 minutes so that the parents can feel confident enough to leave their kids with you for six hours or eight hours. And so there was like this requirement of establishing the rapport really fast. And with my meditation journey, it, I started to heal things within myself and, and then simultaneously having the exposure with like sometimes really bad behavior, like really bad. And I was able over time to hold it and, um, be present with it and still create a safe space for the kids. So that massive exposure made me comfortable with all situations. And then also meditating, I healed a ton of stuff in myself and I started to recognize, Oh, wow. If I do this certain thing with my heart, the kids behave immediately. And so now when I'm with kids, it's, I say that I'm magic just because parents all the time are like, Oh my God, my kid never does that with anybody. Oh, like I've had, it's so cute. I love it every time. So like, I'll be in the store, the grocery store. And sometimes kids will come, mom, can I, Oh, like you're not my mom (laughs) or, um, rarely. And this was before COVID one time I was working in a, in the public and I offered to help somebody. And I was like, Oh, do you want me to hold your kids? So you can, you know, get situated. And the kid jumped out of the dad's arms into my arms. And neither of us were expecting it because I'm in public and I had never met the family before. So I didn't expect the parents to be okay to give their kid to me, even though I offered. So I was standing a little bit too far away and the kid jumped out of the dad's arms into my arms. And the baby was probably one and a half or maybe eight months old. And it was a shock to both of us. And, you know, I jumped forward and everything worked out, but um, stuff like that has happened so often. And I do credit it very much to my experience, but also to my uh, meditation and my, so I can understand if I hum and do a little bit of a deeper voice that changes something in my heart and the kids like me more. And then I have a fundamental belief that they're perfectly capable and they can do it on their own. And so they rise up to that of like, no, a two-year-old can walk to the sink and put their dishes in the sink. And that's because of preschool. And like, I've witnessed, you know, hundreds of two-year-olds put their stuff in the sink and because they learn the rules and 
you know, then they rise to the expectation. And so because I hold that expectation for them, but I'm also, you know, sweet and loving, they just do it because they want to be big. And, and then, so the energy part, because I know what I'm doing with the energy stuff, I, and I think kids are coming in more and more energy sensitive, but the parents don't have time or it's overwhelming. And so I want to work with kids to teach them how to do that, especially um, boys with ADD. That's especially hard for the family and for the child. And I've, I've created systems for the children that had ADD and it really worked for them. And the energy part is fun because they're like, whoa, oh my God, I can feel it. So yeah, there, there are no filters. Children are so open. And yeah. I also feel that um, they are like, you know, frequency antennas. Mm-hmm. And if you have like a higher energy and you are like, you know, balanced and in harmony, I so many times when I walk in a grocery store, I see like kids who are babies, like who are basically they just lock their eyes and they just start to like watch what I'm doing because they just feel like, oh, this person has my frequency. Like I want to see more like what they up to, you know? And uh, yeah, so it's, we, we have so much to learn from kids if we would take the time and listen and, and also, you know, allow them to explore and, and just like, you know, let those amazing gifts, what they have come out. So would be much better world. Yeah, it's so, yeah, it is. It would be. And that's exactly right. The babies of like, all you need to do is just give them a hundred percent attention, a hundred percent, which a lot of people don't do for anyone and much less kids. And instantly within two minutes, just like, Hey, what's going on, baby? What's up? And then they stop crying. So now um, you uh, very slightly uh, touched about money and abundance. And I think um, that's another topic which many people are still struggling. And um, what what's your experience with that? And how have you managed um, to increase your abundance? And also, what are the first steps you usually also recommend your clients? What what are those things they can do? and influence themselves to increase their abundance in their life on. Okay. There's a lot. So on a practical level, create a budget, start saving, set aside 10%, 1%, whatever works for you. Maybe it's only $5 a month, but the consistency is way more important than the amount. So maybe like just do $5 a month. And then whenever you get a bonus or when you can afford it, do the whole bonus and set it aside. And um, your goal of what you're going towards is ultimately up to you personally. I think one year of income set aside is ideal, but that's for me. That's not for you. You have to decide what is right for you. And, you know, how many people you're accounting for? Are you counting for your entire family? Maybe there's five of you, husband and wife and three kids, or is it your, maybe your mom lives with you as well, or your dad or, you know, so what's right for you is very individual, but a specific thing. And I have a lot of different budget 
approaches. So um, a tangible thing is just set aside money for the unexpected, the just in case, and the big wins. Save up for the goals and the celebrations. So that's one thing. Um, and then affirmations is another thing. You can put affirmations on your water bottles, on your mirrors, anywhere that feels good to you. Um, and then repeating affirmations several times throughout the day. If you are going to repeat affirmations, I recommend to do it minimum five minutes a day in a meditative state. You can either listen to somebody's recording or you can just do a visualization, close your eyes and envision what it feels like to have the amount of money that you want or the amount of abundance, whatever abundance means to you. Maybe it means amazing health. Maybe it means you're walking together with your lover on the beach. Maybe it means you're celebrating a delicious meal with your entire extended family. Um, so that's all up to you. And okay, that's three. And then um, change how you dress, dress for success. Even when you think you're not going to see anybody. Um, I have these, well, I'm not wearing them right now because I forgot, but I have these debt-free earrings that I bought when I became debt-free and it was a, it, they were very expensive for me at the time and I love them so much. And still to this day, every time I put them on, I feel so rich <laughs> and it's so fun. So dress up, use the nice China, use the gorgeous outfit that's usually only once a year um make it a point to enjoy the abundance that you already have the luxury items the delicious bath however that is um eliminate sugar <laughs> so um when you eat sugar regularly you crave it and when you don't eat sugar, you don't crave it. When I qu quit eating sugar, I had no cravings and still. Okay. So I've like introduced honey again and um, I do eat sweet things like fruit sometimes, but eliminating that sugar made it way easier to go grocery shopping. I quit buying those impulse buys. It was like, oh, I really want that chocolate bar. I really want those chips. You know, those things add up and they're not they're not supportive towards your highest health so here you mean refined sugar right yes anything mm -hmm. that comes in a package there's and then the other things are more so up to you what makes you feel abundant and then making sure to practice that so is it having a clean and tidy house is it having time for art do you play sports? Is it working out? Is it, I don't like guns, but is it going to a shooting range? Like whatever makes you feel that abundance, commit time to doing that thing. And then, um, and then the next step would be working with a coach or a therapist, ideally a coach because coaches focus on abundance and um, getting you to that upper limit or that edge. 
So we all have a cap of how much we can receive or hold. And so it's about recognizing where that limit is and then getting comfortable with raising it. And, and I really think that can only be done with a coach. I, I think it's possible to do on your own, but it's much harder. Yeah, I so agree. And so many amazing tips and especially as we are Abundance in Action podcast. So now they have lots of steps for homework, what they can do to put it into action. And I so also agree that it is also important to nurture our abundance. Like, as you say, you know, take the time to do those things. So for me, for example, uh, Sundays is a day where I usually do my creative projects. So it brings me lots of joy and it just gets my creative juices flowing. And one of the abundant ways I really pamper myself or my inner woman is I do weekly, you know, south path with bubbles. And if um, if we have like roses blossoming outside, I also sprinkle some rose petals in there. I have the beautiful candle and beautiful etheric oils. So I just make make it into like a spa experiment uh, and yeah. experience. So. And also, I think what's really cool about that is once you start to do it regularly, that's where, you know, it really kind of roots into you and grows into you and grounds you and grounds also your abundance. Yeah, yeah. I love it. And I left out, obviously, you need to learn, learn about increasing your abundance um, through investments. Maybe you want to invest in real estate or Bitcoin or stocks so um also learning your or growing your learning as well yeah and growing your abundance so yeah Yeah. and if anyone needs help with uh, investment growth then my husband is a good person to talk to (laughs) yay so many good tips Uh, thank you so much and um So now imagine I have this one question I ask all of our visitors and guests. So imagine your time here on planet Earth will be uh, finished and you go to wherever you go next and you look back at your life like, okay, this was my life and this is, you know, the legacy I left behind. What is that legacy you would like to leave behind? The courage for every single person to be authentic to their heart. And can you elaborate what do you mean by that? So I I believe that a lot of people are not authentic to who they really are. Their their divine self, they're really in their heart. I think a lot of people do things out of obligation or, well, you know, the bill's got to be paid or don't upset your family. And... I think that is such a sad thing because the people that love you in your life are going to love you no matter what you do, but you're going to be such a happier person because you're going to be living in alignment with who you naturally are. And I, so because our society has so much of a obligate, you should do this. You got to do that. You know, There's so many standards, not everybody, but a lot of people fall into that sense of duty and they put who they truly are aside. And it takes courage to 
step outside of that and say like, no, I'm, I'm still going to pay my bills, but I'm going to do it in a different way that is authentic to who I am. And a lot of times that goes against family expectations or society expectations. Yeah, and once they allow uh, this to happen, they will be so much happier. And then also, of course, everyone will be because it's like, you know, who you're here to be. So that's the gift. That's the treasure you are. And I think all of us, it's actually one of the reasons why we're here and would say even like, you know, it's our responsibility to be that. But um, I, I so love how you put it. Like, you know, it's it's a reminder you can choose that now, even if you are a teenager or maybe even more when you are a teenager earlier, you start better it is, you know, and not wait until you retire. And then you take that authentic self from the shelf and then you're like, okay, let's see what's left of me. And then much of that is probably not left because <laughs> you have been just not really enjoying the whole journey. So, so such a beautiful way to, um, put it thank you so much thank you thank you crystal Ra. so um this has been so much fun to get to know you um know a little bit more of your story and um you're such a bright light uh, reminding us all that hey we are here for a joyful journey and you know everything starts with your little thing of what we call choice so um it's it's really amazing to get your encouragement. I'm, I'm so, so happy and honored that we could uh, do this conversation and spread your message with the world. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you, Crystal. And to all of our listeners and viewers, um, we would recommend you, as always, please like, share and subscribe. And if possible, also leave us your little review to our Facebook group called Abundance in Action Podcast as well on iTunes, because um, these things really, really help our podcast to grow and um, go to many more people and inspire many more people. So thank you so much. Mahalo. Till the next time. 